Welcome to the Word of Life podcast, a ministry of Word of Life Church, located in Lesueur, Minnesota. From sermon audio to midweek content and much more, we hope you are blessed by what you hear. For more information or to donate, please visit wordoflifemn.com. Now, enjoy this week's episode. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Great job. Next week, we do the entire thing, okay? And um, in my hope, my prayer is that that as we memorize this together, that God would be writing this on our hearts and minds. And um, I've heard from a few people um, that this verse has just kind of popped up in their minds recently, you know, at just the right time. At just the right time. When you're wondering what life is all about, it's not about me. This life that we live, we're living by faith. It's about Christ and what he's done for us. The son of God who gave himself for us because he loves us. Amen? Amen. All right. Now, I warned you a few weeks ago that there was going to be a sermon that was going to get a little graphic. This is not my fault. It's in the Bible, okay? So we're going to deal with what's in the scriptures. I'm not going to just like skim over the top of it. But because it's going to get graphic, we have some special volunteers who have volunteered to say, hey, we'll watch the kids for, uh, during the message time so, so that parents don't have to describe exactly what I'm saying when I talk about some of the particulars of circumcision, Uh, And if you are saying to yourself, hey, I hear it's going to get a little graphic, um, you guys are 100% welcome to send the kids out right now. Uh, Crystal's going to go. Yes, can I go? Yes, you can go. Go ahead and go. Um, I know you're trying to figure out, do I really want to um, talk about this with my kids? That is literally up to you. You're the parent. I'm not. I mean, I am a parent. It's just that all of my kids are adults, and, uh, and we have had this conversation, <laughs> you know? <laughs> all right. You sure? No, we're not free. <laughs> are you sure? All right. I love you. Here we go. Um, our scripture today comes from Galatians chapter 5. You have received your, uh, your due warning. I, you know... Hey, I love you guys. I don't want to put anybody into an awkward situation. So we just want to be here and we want to open up God's word, but I'm also not going to edit God's word. That's not my job. God's going to speak. And we just get to to share, you know, what what God is sharing with us. 
So that's awesome. Um, Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 1, reading in Jesus' name, because it's God's word, not mine. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed. That's a nice word for just, you are cut off. You're cut off from Christ. You who would be justified or made right by the law, you have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. We're just going to pause right here. That's awesome. We got this little bit of thing. So basically, let's talk about what is the, the freedom and the slavery that, you know, that God is setting us free from. First of all, this slavery has been, you know, kind of a, a, a theme that's woven its way through the book of, uh, of Galatians, that we, or this church, has been uh, persuaded to add things to the gospel, which is no gospel at all. Christ plus circumcision isn't the gospel. Christ plus, you know, following the law isn't the gospel. Christ plus anything, any, insert any good work right here. Christ plus anything doesn't earn you anything. And it's not good news. That's heresy. Anything that someone, me, an, an elder at the church, anyone else. Paul said earlier in the book that even if an angel comes from heaven and adds something to Christ, that that's not right. That's not gospel. And we're not going to do that. It's Christ plus nothing that, in which we are given salvation and freedom. And so Christ is setting us free from both slavery to sin, but also slavery to the law. And so we can't add law to Christ. We can't add sin to Christ. No, it's Christ Jesus who is our Savior. We are saved by grace through faith in Him and what He's done for us. That's it. And He sets us free Sets us free to, to not live in sin, but also sets us free to not have to live according to the law to earn some righteousness. You see, Christ Jesus, he is the fulfillment of the law. He was born of the Virgin Mary. Hey, we are getting ready for Christmas. I got to tell you, I'm super excited. I'm just going to insert this little announcement here. Advent's going to be awesome. I'm so excited. We've been planning, we've been planning you know, our, our road to Christmas since like August, getting ready. We got some Christmas announcements happening today. Super fun, super excited. And Advent and, and Christmas is all about the coming of Jesus. And what do we want to hear? We want to hear about Jesus being, being promised to Mary and born of the virgin. And he came and he lived a absolutely perfect, sinless life every step of the way. 
And he fulfilled every single law. He kept every single one of God's laws perfectly. And he fulfilled every single prophecy about him perfectly. And then he led a perfect life all the way to the cross in which he then took all of our sins, each and every one of us, every sin that has ever been created, happened by humanity. He took all of them on himself and he fulfilled the law by dying in our place. You see, the wages of sin is death. That's the law. And Christ fulfilled that law because he loves you so that he could give you the benefits of salvation, of freedom. You've been set free for freedom. So why do we want to return to slavery? Slavery doesn't sound good. Why do we want to return? Why do we want to add something? Christ, when he was hanging on the cross, he didn't say, hey, I could use a little help here. If you guys could all just go to church three weeks out of the month. No. He wasn't hanging on the cross and saying, hey, I fulfilled everything. and I'm dying in your place. If you guys could all just get a little extra circumcision. No. Don't worry. We'll talk more about extra circumcision. It's coming. Verse 7. Actually, let's back up to verse 6. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything. What we do or don't do doesn't count for anything. No amount, no amount of surgical removal of skin is going to count for anything. Only faith working through love. Verse 7, he says, you were running so well. Golly, you guys were doing so great. You were believing in Jesus Christ. Your lives were being changed. We heard the gospel and you believed. You were running so well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. This isn't from Christ. Jesus Christ isn't persuading us to like return to slavery to the law. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I get that. I'm not a good baker. Mostly because there seems to be like a lot of, I don't know, measuring involved in baking. I'm much more of like a mm, 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 throw a little this, throw a little that, taste it a little bit here. Apparently tasting baking while you're baking is not an okay thing. <laughs> the whole like raw things and whatnot. And so, you know, but I love, I love making pizza. I love making pizza at home. And, um, and so we make, we, you know, I love making my own dough. I've messed around with the recipes and this, that, and the other thing. There's a whole bunch of flour. There's a bunch of water. And there's, there's some salt in there. Sometimes I put a little olive oil in there. Sometimes a little this and a little that. And then, of course, you have to put in some yeast. Not a ton of it. And as I'm, as I'm measuring out, I got my digital scale going on, and I got, okay, I got the flour in there, boom, you know, and I'm measuring that. I'm measuring the water. You got to be precise. It's got to be the right temperature, blah, 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 you know, and that goes in, and, and the salt goes in. You can measure that easy. It's so hard to measure yeast, though. I feel like I'm supposed to, like, count out every little one of these little grains of dry yeast. This is crazy. Too much, boom, blows it out. Too little, forget it. Nothing happens. But you put this tiny little, almost immeasurable amount of yeast in that, in that dough. 
You mix it up right. You do the kneading. You do the stretching to help the gluten form. And what do you know? I'm sorry for those of you who are gluten-free. Gluten's awesome. <laughs> and then you let it sit. And what do you know? It mixes into the whole thing. The whole thing rises. It's not like just like one little part over here rises and the rest of it just stays flat. No, the whole bowl of dough, it all rises. It's absolutely awesome. But guess what? Heresy is the exact same thing. You see, what he is saying, the, the apostle Paul is saying to this church is if you accept just a little bit, just a little bit of error, just a little bit of Christ plus a little bit of law keeping, it ruins the whole church. It ruins your whole theology. As a matter of fact, it gets worse than that. Because if you say Christ plus anything, Christ plus circumcision, not only is it not good for you, but grace becomes meaningless. Because no longer are we depending upon Jesus Christ for our salvation. We're depending on ourselves and what we can do and so if we're going to add anything to Christ, then we are obligated to obey the whole law. I can barely obey the summary of the law. I don't. I, that's not even true. I don't obey even the summary of the law. Lord, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Well, you had me there. And then love your neighbor as yourself. I love you guys. I don't love you like that. I'm already guilty. But if we're going to add anything to Christ, Christ plus circumcision, Christ plus this, Christ plus that, if we add anything, our grace is meaningless. It's like telling Christ that he died for nothing. Verse 10, I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view. I love that confidence. And the one who is troubling you, who will bear the penalty, whoever he is. So whoever it is who's coming in, spreading this false theology, he's going to have to deal with that before the Lord. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. Yep, there it is. Okay, so what he's basically saying is, I wish that every single one of these false theologians who add circumcision to Jesus, Jesus Christ plus circumcision, I wish they would just go the whole way and cut the whole member off. Yes, it's graphic. Because what we end up talking about here is that if you think that a surgery in which you are cutting off a little bit of piece of skin around your member, pause, we are talking about male circumcision. We are not talking about female circumcision. Female circumcision is nowhere in the scriptures. It does not exist. It is mutilation. It is wrong. And that is not in the scriptures. Clear? Good. Male circumcision is what we're talking about. And so we're saying, hey, if, if you think you could get right with God by cutting off some skin around your male member, well, 
I wish you'd just go the whole way. Just keep cutting. This sense in which, like, if you think that that's somehow going to make you better with God, well, cut a little more. Circumcise a little more, will you? Cut a little more flesh off. Keep going. I wish the whole thing, you just lopped the whole thing off. That sounds incredibly awful. But it's this concept that says if you think that you can be made right with God by, by, some, by, by some cuts, by cutting away flesh, wait, don't stop there. Let's also add in what Jesus said. If your hand is causing you to sin, cut it off. Wait, if your eye is causing you to sin, cut that out too. And if you think that that's what's going to keep going, if you could cut off your member and if you cut off your hand, if you cut out your eye, wait a minute, what happens if you're still sinning? Well, keep cutting. Just keep cutting things off. I don't know how long you're going to be able to survive. Just keep it as you cut things off in an effort to like somehow get rid of the sin that's in you. You're going to have to cut your own heart out because that's where the sin really comes from. And that's going to kill you. But that's exactly what Jesus Christ already did for you. We're not made righteous by cutting things off. We're not made righteous through those things. Jesus Christ has already taken our place. He has already died in our place so that he could give us freedom from this law to just cut away and as we believe in Jesus Christ and what he has done for us, his death for us, then God performs the surgery and he circumcises your hearts, our hearts. He circumcises our hearts and he removes the sin from its source. And he gives us a whole new life, a new life set free, set free from sin, and set free from the law. Set free so that our good works are not an attempt to, to earn something with God, but our good works are loving our neighbors. You see, God doesn't need our good works. He doesn't need extra surgery performed to earn us any favor with Him. He's already given it to us. God doesn't need our good works, but your neighbor does. Your neighbor needs your good works. Your neighbor needs to see the love of God flowing through you. That's who needs. Verse 13. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out, you are not consumed by one another. What ends up happening is if we end up doing this thing where, where we have to do stuff to earn righteousness, what ends up happening is we don't end up loving one another, we end up judging one another. 
And if circumcision is going to be the thing, well, then, you know, you start cutting a little bit and then you cut a little bit more and you say, well, I'm more circumcised than you are. And you're like, oh no, I'm going to be more circumcised than you are. And you cut just a little bit more, but it's not, it doesn't end at circumcision either. Anybody could be judgmental. If our, if our righteousness before God is earned by good works, then all of a sudden we're like, oh, you look around the room and you're like, I don't know who the goodest in here is, but it is not me. Oh, no. <laughs> but we end up comparing our works to each other. Oh, yeah? How many times have you been in church this Sunday? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was also here on Wednesdays, okay? And all of a sudden, you start judging this and judging that. And, you know, and, 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 and all we end up doing is nitpicking at each other, just biting and nibbling at each other, like, you know, like my parents' old German shepherd that used to nip at my calf. Just bite, 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 bite. And that's what happens in churches where they'll proclaim righteousness based on observance of the law, righteousness based on what you can do. You just start looking at everybody else, comparing and judging and we're not doing that here. That's not the life that God's called us to. You're not here to judge each other. You're not here to bite each other and pick on each other. You're not here to compare your works about against anybody else's. That's not what we're about. That's the works of the flesh. That's not what it means to be a part of Christ Jesus. Verse 16, but I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against Spirit and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Here's the deal. Once someone gets saved, once you're believing in Jesus Christ, all of a sudden the temptation can be to look at your life and you just say, oh, this is a mess. I don't want to do this anymore. And sometimes the temptation is to say, that's it. I am not going to sin anymore. I'm not going to view porn, and I am not going to get drunk. I'm not going to lie to my mom. I am not going to, uh, I'm not going to speed while I'm driving. I am not going to, you could keep listing off the, you know, the sins, your, your sin is your. I am not going to gossip. I am not going to do this, and I am not going to do that. And all that happens when we spend this time saying, I'm not going to do these sins anymore. I am not going to get drunk. I am not going to lie. I'm not going to yell and scream at my kids. The more we focus on the things that we're not going to do, the more we end up doing them. Paul's presenting a completely different perspective. He says, go for a walk with the Spirit. Now that sounds awesome. Go for a walk with the Holy Spirit. Yeah, go for a walk with the Holy Spirit and see what the Holy Spirit will do in your life. You see, he gets into and he says, we know what the works of the flesh are. If you want to focus on sin, this is what you're going to end up with. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Verse 19, now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sex sensuality, three terms. He just completely covered all sexual sin. He says, all of those three things, there is no escape clause here. 
There is no, well, I didn't commit adultery. Oh, I looked, but I didn't touch. Or, you know, like, nope. All of that, all covered by these three terms discussing sexual sin. Sexual sin is wrong. That's it. That's the work of the flesh. You want to know what it is? That's it. Idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of, uh, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's not what we do here. That's not what people of God, the children of God, do. That's not how we live. Idolatry, worshiping something else other than the Lord God. Only he is worthy of our praise. Sorcery, enmity. Enmity, we don't use the word very often, but hey, we're pretty good at just a lot. We don't really get along. Yeah, that's enmity. That's sin. That's not for us. Strife, jealousy. Oh man, I love that new truck. I want that. That's jealousy. That's not for us. Fits of anger. Yes, even when you've had a rough day and you get home and you yell at the kids or you yell at your wife and you kick the cat and, you know, the dog goes running out the door. Fits of anger. Not okay. That's sin. Rivalries, dissensions, divisions. Hey, I got a warning for you. There's a couple of days coming up here that are literally handcrafted for divisions, rivalries. I want you to go vote. I do. Please do. Please go vote. But your vote is not an excuse to be divided or dissension or to create rivalries and certainly not here. That's not the church. We're not going to do that. That's not for us. Envy. I want to be like them. It's not jealousy. You know, jealousy is I want that. Envy is, oh, I want to be like you. That's not for us. Drunkenness. Drunkenness is not okay. That's a sin. And it's not for us. Orgies and things like these. He has some great lists. If you look at Paul, man, Paul's got lists of sins all over the place. He'll include everything from orgies to uh, disobeying your parents. And he says, yeah, all of that, not for us. Allow me to say, we have all sinned. We have all committed some or many of these sins. That's what Jesus died for. He loves you. If you're struggling with any one of these sins, please hear this. If you're believing in Jesus Christ, you are loved and forgiven. Jesus Christ has paid for all of those sins on the cross. And he set us free to a new life. A new life that takes a walk with the Holy Spirit. That's what we get into next. But the fruit of the Holy Spirit, verse 22, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, 
goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against these things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not be conceited, provoking one another or envying one another. If we're believers in Jesus Christ, those sins, the flesh has been nailed to the cross. He took care of that. He's paid for it. Are you perfect now? Are you sinless now? You are completely forgiven. But man, we still rage, this battle with sin still rages within us. And so the way that we address that is not by saying, I'm not going to, focusing on sin. It's rather by going for a walk with the Holy Spirit, which sounds absolutely awesome. I love going for walks. And as we go for a walk with the Holy Spirit, this is what he produces in us. Love. God's love, not your love. My love is pretty selfish, and I've only got a limited amount, and most of it I don't share with you. But God's love is infinite. And as we go for a walk with the Holy Spirit, God produces His love in your life, and love that is His love, and it just spreads on out. You walk with the Holy Spirit, He's going to grow some love in your life. He'll also give you some opportunities to share it. Love. Joy. Go for a walk with the Holy Spirit. He's going to produce joy. I know it's hard out there. You're going to walk out these doors and, and life is hard. And it's sad sometimes. We're not happy about everything. And that's when we walking with the Spirit produces joy, joy that transcends the situation or the circumstances of our lives. It just kind of bubbles up. He just grows that joy within us. It's, but he's not done. God's growing peace in you. As you're, even as you're feeling that inner conflict, God grows peace peace that is beyond our understanding, peace that is like, how on earth could I be feeling peace right now? That kind of peace, and that's from the Lord as we walk with the Holy Spirit. Patience, and Jesus Christ is patient, and I am so incredibly, thank you, thank you, Jesus, for being patient, especially with me. And God produces His patience in your life even through those tying, trying moments, patience, kindness, and goodness. That's what God is. That's who God is. If you look at these descriptions, you see every single one of these, God is love. God is joy. God is the Prince of Peace, and He's patient. He's kind. He's good to us. His faithfulness. God has already promised His faithfulness just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And he produces that kind of faithfulness in us. Gentleness. It's the opposite of fits of anger where the cat gets kicked. Gentleness. That's what God produces. Self-control, not others' control. Okay? Not like controlling your spouse or controlling your mom or controlling, you know, the situation or controlling your kids. God produces self-control. That's his fruit of the Spirit. 
If we live by the Spirit, let's also keep in step with the Spirit. I want to encourage you to go for a walk with the Holy Spirit. This is a metaphor for life, okay? You don't actually have to go for a walk, although it might be really good. I love going for walks. My favorite place to walk is up at the Nye Center. I love getting to walk up at the Nye Center. I love walking in my neighborhood. And so for you, maybe it looks like a walk down the hall in your house, or maybe it looks like a walk, you know, down the driveway, or maybe it looks like, uh, you know, a walk around your neighborhood, or maybe it does. Maybe you, you know, you'll, maybe I'll bump into you on the trails up at the Nye Center. And I, my favorite person to walk with is Heidi. The problem is that she has way longer legs than I do. I know, it was a great idea to marry a tall, a tall person, a tall blonde, you know, you know to try and help out our, our gene pool. My, I'm serious, my brother was the tallest Lang to ever live at five foot eight and a half, you know? And so both of us married, you know, tall, tall women. And sure enough, man, Doug's over six feet tall. Worked. But going for a walk, going for a walk with Heidi is tough. Like her legs are long. And so like when I'm trying to keep in stride with her, like I got to lengthen out my stride and I got to kind of take some extra steps, you know, just to kind of keep up and stuff like that. But you know, I will tell you this, it's gotten easier since she's had a couple of hip surgeries. <laughs> her stride is shortened up. She's a little tight. You know, she's got that IT band a little tight. It's so much easier. Matter of fact, I have to slow down for her now. First time in our marriage. I love walking with Heidi. I know I'm treading on some really... Uh, I love walking with Heidi because both of us are trying to stay together as we walk. I got to walk a little faster. She walks a little slower. We stay together. I want to encourage you. Go for a walk with the Holy Spirit. He is going to with you every step of the way. And as you're going for this walk with the Holy Spirit, the things of the flesh, they're just going to melt away. As you're going for a walk with the Holy Spirit, He's just going to be producing the fruit of the Spirit all over the place in your life. And I can't wait to see, I cannot wait to see what God is producing in and through you as you go for a walk with the Holy Spirit. How do we do this? We go for a walk with the Holy Spirit by prayer and spending some time with Him in prayer. It's just like walking with the Holy Spirit. We do this as we're memorizing some scripture verses. As we memorize some scripture verses, God's writing it on our hearts and minds. It's just like going for a walk with the Holy Spirit. We spend time in God's Word. We're going for a walk with the Holy Spirit. We get out there and we just actually go for a walk and just talk to God. We're going for a walk with the Holy Spirit. And as we do, He's producing His fruit in us. The times of temptation will come. It will. The desires of the flesh to pull your attention away will happen. And when it does, you do not have to sin. Go for a walk with the Holy Spirit. Go for a walk with the Holy Spirit when those desires of the flesh come. You know what they are. We talked about that. And as we think about this walk with the Holy Spirit and being set free from slavery to sin and slavery to the law, 
that we've been set free for freedom. God's the one who's doing this. And he did it all through his son, Jesus Christ. For you. Because he loves you. Let's pray. And then we have time to receive communion. Lord God and Heavenly Father, and Holy Spirit, we thank you and praise you for who you are and all that you've done for us. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for fulfilling the law, for doing it perfectly all the way to the cross, for taking all of our sin, the works of the flesh, upon yourself so that he who knew no sin became sin. And then you fulfilled the law by dying in our place, taking the punishment of sin and death and conquering sin and death for us because you love us. Lord God, thank you for loving us and then generously giving us grace and faith to believe in you. But you weren't done yet. You've given us eternal life. But wait, there's more. He's also given us the Holy Spirit. Oh, please, Lord God, remind us to go for a walk with your Holy Spirit. Trusting you. You lead the way, Lord. We're walking in stride with you. Help us to walk in stride with you. It's in your name we pray, Lord Jesus, our Savior. Amen.